Get the recording equipment running. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing, uh, ultimately through the entire New Testament, a chapter at a time, but we're in the book of Luke right now. And we'll be in Luke chapter 8 as we uh, spend this next 20, 25 minutes together. Um, we, we talked about uh, Luke chapter 7 the last time, and I said that in these chapters, 7, 8, 9, um, that the underlying theme is that um, you have to make a decision, or to make a choice, uh, to follow Jesus in faith or not to follow him. And that um, it's quickly coming to that point. Jesus sort of is kind of quickly drawing a line in the sand and saying, you need to make a choice. And you're either going to follow me or you're not. And, um, you know, this is really true about life. This is the biggest decision that we make. Um, it's, the, it's the main thing that we do here till we come to know him is we have this life to figure out that we need Jesus. And then if you figure that out, that's really good. You graduate. You get to, you get to keep going. And then there's some other stuff to figure out along the way. But, but some people never figure this out. And, and that's a whole different scenario. And so it's, it's always about this choice that we have to make. And this, this opportunity to choose to follow and worship God is an amazing thing. Um, and yet, it's this very sort of opportunity given to us that causes all the problems that we have. See, because we get to choose. And, and um, it's because God ultimately wanted people who chose to love him and who chose to worship him, not because there was no, they didn't have a choice. And so because he gave us choice, um, it's, the same, it's the reason we have so much sin and so much bad stuff in the world. And, and people all the time are saying, well, you know, couldn't God step in? He could. But in most cases, to do so, he'd have to suspend free will. He'd have to take away choice, and he won't do it. Because the ultimate end of it all is that there will be a group of people who have chosen to follow God and have chosen to love him above all else. And that's, that's the end result. That's what all this is working its way towards. And so um, here in the Gospel of Luke, as Luke writes this, and remember Luke's writing to Gentile believers, um, he, he addressed the letter to Theophilus, lover of God, and yet it's a letter for all of us. And uh, he is working through these, this whole situation and scenario of the life and ministry of Jesus. And um, in these chapters, like I said, it's, it's about having to make a choice and that, that this is something that we ought to do. So let's look at Luke chapter 8. It's fairly long. It's 56 verses. And uh, I will read it out loud. You can follow along. I squeezed all the verses into your notes. Um, although they're tiny, I couldn't read them on the notes if I had to. And, uh, but you, or if you have your Bibles, you can follow along in your Bibles. Or there's Bibles on the on the rows and the bibles on the rows most of them are large print because because we need it. <laughs> there's still some small print ones from way back when i when i could still see but at some point i picked one up and went yeah nobody's reading that and it's i have the large print now and it's it ain't happening anymore okay fortunately on my notes i can see and i got glasses here somewhere 
There they are. All right, so let's look at Luke chapter 8. I think it's an 8, although it could be a (laughs) 6. Some of you can really relate, can't you? (laughs) Could be Luke or it could be like. Could be like (laughs) 6. Okay. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and following. After this... Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop. A hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. See, this is again about choices. The disciples had chosen already to follow Jesus, and so the parables would make sense. Those who were already choosing not to were... See, Jesus has already shifted the way he's teaching. Up until this point, he's taught very plainly, and they've seen things very plainly. Now, they're going to have to come after him to, to get it. But those who have already decided, they can hear and understand. Uh, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes the way a word, the word from their heart, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature." But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully How you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you, wanting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got up into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped 
and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. It's always a nice greeting. (laughs) Everywhere I could go from there is wrong, so I'm just going to stay on track. (laughs) Just read. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. (laughs) Making the greeting even more exciting. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order him order them to go to the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and was drowned. Apparently the pigs didn't like the demons either. (laughs) When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding around and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said, she's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, 
But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Okay, and blessed be the word of the Lord. So, as I started talking, I said that, that this chapter is really about responding to Jesus. And uh, it's the most important decision we'll ever make is, is the one that we make regarding Jesus and the good news about him. And, and Luke really sort of highlights this right off the bat with that, the teaching of the first parable uh, of, the, of the seed and the, the sower and the seed. And the, you know, Jesus explains it so you know exactly what he's talking about. The seed is the word of God. That's, that's what this is all about. Okay, and so, um, and so the word of God goes forth. And the soil represents people's hearts. And it's, it's, the, it's the condition, it's how, how the word of God impacts your heart um, as to what you do with the sort of thing that's about to happen. And so some hear the word of God and they quickly forget it. Their hearts are hardened, it has no impact, it does nothing. Others... Um, hear it with the light, but they fall away real quick because it's it just sort of tickles them. But but all of a sudden they start thinking of what they want to do instead of what life is really all about. So it it just kind of leaves almost almost as quickly as it came. It leaves. Um, still others get it choked out of them because they get. The, the delights of the world, so to speak, um, are more enticing to them than what the Lord has to offer. And then finally, there's a, there's a group who, who hear the word and receive it. And then through perseverance, they produce a crop. They, their lives are then fruitful. Because we can't have... Our lives are only fruitful in Christ. And we might do a lot of good stuff outside of it, but our lives really won't be fruitful uh, except in Christ. And, you know, if you think about it, you will see... How, how true this is in the condition of people all the time that you come in contact with. Some people don't want to hear about Jesus at all. And you bring up Jesus and they immediately shut you down. Don't even talk about it. Don't, you can talk about just about anything but Jesus. And, and so they're, they're just not able to receive at that moment. Other people will sort of talk about Jesus, but, but they'll, they'll talk about everything else in the mix too. Like, yeah, that's good. Spirituality's good. I'm a spiritual person. It's all good. Um, and, and, and yet, it's not all good. Um, other people get it, but over time, they, they make a decision. Ultimately, they still want to do it their way. And you, you, can't, you can't live it that way. You're either going to do it his way or you're really not doing it. And, and this part of the choice we have to make. How are we going to do this thing? Are we going to do it his way? Or are we going to say we're doing it and then do it our way? And it doesn't work. Um, and then ultimately, people get it. And they say, God, I'm yours. And, and whatever you want, that's what I'll do. And they begin to walk that out. Now, you know, let me say something. I think that... Um, we're fortunate in that God tills the soil of our hearts. And so, because I can remember a time in my own life when I was completely closed off to anything about God. I wouldn't, I would be one of those people who said, I don't want to talk about it. Don't want to hear it. Um, not interested. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a, 
Christian environment. We never went to church. And, and you know, in fact, you know, my dad always used to call people who are out on the roads on Sunday God-botherers. <laughs> and he, he didn't like the traffic on Sunday morning. And, and that's what he would say. They're all out just bothering God. Why don't they just stay home? Um, well, you know, you're impacted by that stuff when you're a kid, right? <laughs> so I just didn't want to hear it. Um, and then um, the first time I ever really heard the gospel, I was 18 and I was in college. And um, my roommate had met a, a Christian on, on campus you know, they have them on campus. And, and uh, he'd invited himself to our room somehow uh, to, to talk to my roommate about Jesus. And I was like, really? <laughs> so I think the whole time that he was there, I was, I was drinking beer and complaining. Um, so anyway, um, didn't, didn't want to hear it. And then um, at night, this be a long, it won't be a long story. At 19, um, I, was, I was in a, an accident on a power plant. And this guy, you've heard me tell the story, who used to give me sandwiches. See, that's how you get to me. Um, still works if you need me. <laughs> Come bearing a sandwich and I'll probably go, okay. <laughs> um, after this accident where I had nearly died and other people had on this, on this job, um, and, and I, I, I'm convinced I had some sort of angelic help out of this thing. Um, and that was very eye-opening for someone that really didn't believe in God. And he talked to me. And he, he brought me right up to that point, and he said, you know, and it all made sense to me. He went with, lead, led me through the scripture, and we looked at it all, and we did this thing all night to, to the point where I needed to make a decision. And, and I went, you know, I'm just not ready to leave some of this stuff I'm doing. Because I don't see how you guys have any fun at all. <laughs> the decision of a 19-year-old man. I heard it, and it sounded good, but couldn't get there. And... Um, you know, I would think about that every now and again as I went and did everything that I wanted to do. Um, but, you know, I got another shot because uh, at, when I was 25, I was in another set of circumstances and I, my heart was finally in the right spot. And I, you know, my conversion experience consisted of me basically saying to God in the middle of the night, if you're real, here I am. Well, I'm yours. Jesus, if it's, this is what they're telling me is true, then here you go. You got me. Now it's on you. And things started happening from there. So... Um, I, I think he works on our hearts, but I also think that we can harden down, really, really hunker down, harden our hearts. And that's what's going to happen, unfortunately, with the, the religious leaders, is they're going to... See, because remember now, they've not only heard what Jesus has said, they've watched the miracles take place. And they know it's God. But they don't like the message. And they don't like the messenger. And so they reject it out of hand. That's a hardened heart. And, and, and so this is what's happening. And people are making decisions now. And the ones that are going to follow Jesus, they're going to continue on in the teaching of Jesus and the parables. And the ones who don't, they're not going to hear it anymore. They're going to, they're going to not hear it or see it. And so that's the, the condition of the parable of the sower and the seeds. And um, those whose hearts were open responded. Those who were hardened rejected. He goes on in verses 16 through 21, and, and he's still trying to explain this to anybody that will listen who haven't shut down too far yet. And he talks about the, the light on the stand. And Jesus was saying that he came and, and stood and shone the light. He, he illuminated the world. People could see it if they were looking. 
So not only could they hear it if they were listening, they could see it if they were looking. So they were having to shut down these things in their lives not to follow. They were making a choice to not listen and understand and to not see what was happening before him. And so his, his, uh, this, his whole ministry had been very plain in the beginning. But um, people were going to choose now. Um, and, and they still make choices because the ministry of Jesus was very clear and very plain and, and ultimately um, simple enough that we respond by faith. Because so, it always comes down to that. Because I know I've, I've actually encountered lots of people who are always trying to somehow um, get the Jesus thing figured out without that step of faith. They just want to figure it out or they want to, you know, educate it out or scholar it out or science it out or whatever. But no, you, can't, you can get real close, but you still got to take a step of faith at some point because it takes faith. Because it's, there's, a, you know, it's, there's a faith step involved. And so um, people were having to make that choice and, and he had given them plenty of opportunity to respond because he had spoken clearly and he had backed it up. Very clearly as well. And um, it, it talks about his mother and brother being there. And, and ultimately what Jesus is saying is the people who respond in faith that become the family of God. See, that's, that's the ultimate response. When you respond in faith to Christ, you become a part of the family of God. If you choose not to respond, you, you, you are on the outside of that family. And that's how that works. And so he's, he's making this very clear in the process, and then Luke adds some miracles onto the end of it uh, in in this passage, because we need to know who we're putting our trust in, and and so um, Luke includes these miracles at the end because people are having to make choices. Jesus is telling them, you got to choose, and and then this series of miracles is recorded by Luke, so people get just what and who they're putting their trust in. So in in Luke eight twenty two. Through 25, Jesus calms the storm. That's pretty cool. And it demonstrates Jesus' power over nature. Because the storm is kicking up. And Jesus is taking a nap. He's not worried. The guys are freaking out. Jesus, we got a little problem out here. <laughs> I love it. Jesus. Because, <laughs> see, I don't know how you picture Jesus, but, but I picture Jesus as, as, as being a lot of fun to be around. And, and, and he would have woke up from a nap like all of us. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> and rubbing his eyes and going, seriously? Stop it. There you go, guys. Where's your faith? And going back and crawling off for another nap. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. You know, I'm not, I wasn't there. But um, he, and the guys are freak, freaking out because that's a huge deal. Because they're saying, can, you know, they've already seen lots of miracles. But somehow just someone stepping out and calming the storm and the fishermen to boot, you know what I mean? Which is kind of, it must have been a bad storm for these guys to be upset. And the Jesus just went out there and said, okay, stop. They were like, so, so Luke is showing, okay, this Jesus who you put your faith in has power over nature. And then in the, in the next little segment um, with the whole interaction with the demon-possessed guy, Jesus goes in and sets that guy free. And, and what he demonstrates is his power over evil and the evil one. That, that he, he is all-powerful over all those things. 
and that this was a very significant and real situation. And again, the people don't know how to react. And it's funny sometimes, because people don't know how to react to Jesus. The, the town sees this guy who had terrorized them in his condition. Um, you know, they had tried to chain him up and do all these things, and they couldn't do anything about it. And so he hung out in this place naked, screaming at everybody. And Jesus comes in and sets this guy free. And, and you know, the pigs take it and haul off. And the, the only thing these people can do is not look at, look at what's happened to the guy. It's like, yeah, you're a little too much for us. You need to go, Jesus. It's a little more than we can handle. And they invite him to leave. So he does. And so, you know, oftentimes people don't know how to respond to what God is doing in their lives. But he has power over evil and the evil one. In Luke 8, 40 through 48, um, Jesus heals the sick. He's got power over disease. And he does this with a woman who comes who uh, had a, a, an issue of bleeding that had gone on for years. And she'd been to the doctors and no one could, no one could take care of it. Um, you need to know this condition would have caused her to be a total outcast in her community. And, and so it, it took a lot to bust through that crowd to get to Jesus. And yet she knew if she could just touch him that she'd be healed. And, and, and she, she, she sort of sneaks up and, and grabs a hold of his cloak. And she's healed. And I love that Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And there's this big crowd around him. And Peter's like, everybody's touching you. No, no, no. Power came out from me. Someone got healed. Who is it? And she finally says, it was me. And, and he goes, daughter, your faith has healed you. Don't be. I mean, the, the love of God for people, the broken, uh, is, is, is so amazing. And we always need to be aware of that, that, that um, God always demonstrates love to the broken. And, and the, the religious thing that would try and get on us that's not in a, in a good thing would, would keep us from doing that. And, and so that's what had happened to the religious leaders as well. And then in those last few verses, um, he goes and he, uh, he raises the dead with Jairus' daughter. It's a pretty impressive string of miracles, those four that are recorded there. And there, it wasn't by accident Luke put them there. Power over nature, power over the evil one, power over disease, and power over death. See, this is the one whom we put our trust in. Now, Jairus' daughter... Uh, he's the synagogue ruler, and I often think about his situation because his daughter's sick, and imagine, you know, what you would do, and he, he goes to Jesus, and he says, I need you to come to the house, and Jesus says, okay. And he, it's, it's an urgent thing. And, and then along the way, though, this woman comes up, and Jesus stops everything. And can you imagine the frustration of Jairus who had Jesus moving in the right direction to get to his daughter, and now he's stopped to do something else? And yet Jesus is well aware of the situation, and and... They, they come from Jairus' house say, don't worry, it's too late. And Jesus looks at Jairus and says, don't worry, hang on, have faith, it's going to be okay. And he's able to do what he needs to do. And then he goes and, and he speaks to the daughter, says, get up. She gets up. Um, those are recorded there as sort of a big exclamation point on the parable of the sower and the seeds. Because, see, you have to make a decision. And, and who are you making your decision to follow? You're following Jesus, Lord, the Almighty God. And, and we, we, we can put our trust and our faith in Him. And we can be settled in that. 
And that's the point that Luke is making as he's writing this particular part of the letter. We have to make a choice. The choice is Jesus. He's Lord. This is, this is what he backed it up with. And you need to choose to follow him. And so, you know, it's the same choice we make today. We, we have the same opportunity. We choose to follow Jesus because he's the Lord and we can put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. And that's the, the bulk of Luke chapter 8. All right. All right. Is somebody upstairs to turn off that video? I don't know. Barry's going anyway. If you're watching my video, thank you for watching. And if you're up in Williston, God bless you guys.